Christ's command to his followers before his ascension to heaven was for them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Our Lord did not intend for the good news of his death and resurrection to stay local, but instead it was to be taken globally. In this third section of Acts, the adventure continues as the gospel is taken to the ends of the earth. Let's join Scott Pauley now for today's study. Have you ever considered the power of one prayer meeting? Just a prayer meeting. A young man by the name of Christian David invited a boy one afternoon to come to a prayer meeting. That young man that he invited was named Zinzendorf. And in that meeting, Count Zinzendorf got burdened for revival and world evangelization, and it set in motion like a chain reaction, the Moravian Missionary Movement. In 1806, Five students gathered under a haystack in the middle of a storm uh, to pray, and out of that came the great mission society that Adoniram Judson and so many others uh, would be connected with. A young man by the name of Beta one day invited a fellow named George to a cottage prayer meeting, and in that cottage prayer meeting, George, George Mueller, was converted. He said when those people knelt down and began to pray, it made such a deep impression on him. Uh, George Williams gathered for prayer with five of his college dorm mates and just prayed, and they started filling a room at a time with people to pray. It was the beginning of the YMCA. An invalid woman prayed alone for two years in England that God would send D.L. Moody to England to preach the gospel, and it would become the beginning of his worldwide travels and a million souls pointed to Christ. On the Isle of Lewis... Two elderly women and five men meeting in a barn on Tuesday and Thursday nights for prayer became the impetus for the New Hebrides revival. A businessman by the name of Joseph Lamphere on Fulton Street in New York City started a simple noon prayer meeting. First, he was joined by someone and then by 20 and then by 100, and eventually it became a prayer revival that crossed the nation, just a prayer meeting. Uh, Charles Sheldon's family would have regular prayer in their log house on a Dakota prairie every day. And that prayer meeting would become the, the soil where God would begin to grow some things in the heart of Charles Sheldon, and he would write the famous book, In His Steps. In 1886, at a student conference uh, organized by D.L. Moody at Mount Hermon, uh, they would have a special season of prayer. And out of that, a 100 missionaries signed up and the beginning of the student volunteer movement had taken place. R.A. Torrey in 1898 started meeting for prayer on Saturday nights. For three years, he met with his church in prayer. And out of that, God sent him around the world starting prayer circles. 30,000 people engaged in prayer. It is the power of a prayer meeting. We've come today in our study of Acts chapter 12 to one of the great prayer meetings of the Bible. Let's read a little of it, beginning in verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, 
He put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers, that's 16 soldiers, to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So this is not good. These are depressing days. Uh, James is put to death. Peter is counting the days to his death. Uh, Verse number 5 says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, you ever think you're just dreaming? Too good to be true? When Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. May I ask you a question? How did he know what house to go to? Now, certainly God led him all the way, but this was the very house where they were having the prayer meeting. I believe these people were known as people of prayer. Would anyone come to your house? Would anyone have showed up at my house and thought, that man's praying right now? Let me give you just a few basic observations today. The first is this. Desperate times require desperate prayers. In the previous chapter, famine had come. Persecution had come. Now when you come to chapter 12, they're dealing with a hateful culture. Sound familiar? You have the first martyr of the Christian church, lots of religious opposition and political opposition. Friend, I'm going to tell you, that's the very time to pray. That's not the time to stop praying. That's the time to intensify your prayer. Edwin Orr used to talk about extraordinary prayers. We've had a lot of ordinary praying for the norm. We need some extraordinary prayers. Desperate times require desperate prayers. A second observation is this, that earnest prayer brings extraordinary answers. I mean, these people weren't praying like they could take it or leave it. They were praying like their whole life and Peter's life depended on it. We'll return to this verse in our next study, but the Bible uses the expression here, without ceasing. It literally means they they stretch themselves out. It's the idea of intense prayer. It's like Jesus praying in Gethsemane more earnestly Friend, I want to tell you, iron gates can't hold intense prayer. God still works miracles. The God who opened the door of faith to the Gentiles in the previous two chapters is now going to open uh, this door and deliver Peter. Friend, God can do anything if we will just learn to pray again. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then, not only do desperate times require desperate prayers and earnest prayer brings extraordinary answers, but I would remind you, that there is power in agreeing in prayer. Uh, Back in England in the 1700s, they called it a concert of prayer. I love that expression. We need a new concert, don't we? A concert of prayer. We need one another, and we all need God. We need to learn something about agreement in prayer. 
And it begins with individual, personal, private, secret prayer, but then that should become corporate prayer and us praying with and for God's people. I really believe the end-time church may face much the same circumstances as the early church did, but friend, I got good news. We have the same power, so let's pray. And then one final observation is this. Unexplainable joy comes when you see answers to prayer. That's the rest of the story. We'll return to it the next time uh, we come to this passage. But Rhoda got to see him first. I wonder why God tells us her name. Uh, Think, God let this little girl answer the door. She had the joy of witnessing an answer to prayer. Friend, you don't get answers if you don't pray. And you don't get specific answers if you don't pray specifically. By the grace of God, let's have a prayer meeting. Why don't you and the Lord have a prayer meeting today? And then why don't you have a prayer meeting with your family? Why don't you get a group of friends together uh, at lunch on the job or after work or on your school campus or in your dormitory? Why don't you get some friends together and pray? Why don't you help start a prayer meeting in your church? Look, friends, the power is not the power of our prayers. It's the power of the God who answers prayer. Let's get back to praying to the God who can do anything he chooses to do. Though no more scripture is being written, the story of the furtherance of the gospel is being written at this very moment, and we get to be part of that story. The heart of our Savior is as passionate for the lost today as it was just before he ascended in Acts 1. Will you get in on what God is doing in the world today to reach the lost with the gospel? This is why Enjoying the Journey exists, to encourage and to equip you in the work of the gospel. Whether it is through the daily broadcast or the many resources on our website, Scott and all of us on the Enjoying the Journey team are passionate about people coming to know Christ as Savior. We pray that you truly will enjoy the journey, but we also pray that you will bring others with you on your journey of following Christ.